0: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Headlines seize our attention, especially when they're about a crime. But there's more to these stories than just their headlines. I'm Carrie Ippema. And I'm Quinlan Posner. Every week we'll bring you a real crime that made the headlines, one you may have heard of before or one you may have never imagined possible. But we'll take you beyond what you see on the front page. We'll follow the story as it happens in real time and use hindsight to pull apart fact from fiction. From Lifetime comes a brand new weekly podcast, Crime of a Lifetime.
1: ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts
0: everywhere. ACAST.com.
2: Tweet ready. To- oh, we are live. Okay. Woo! So uh, the tweets going out, we'll just wait for people to gather. Um, It's. I, I, do you know how I know if a tweet is doing well of mine at the moment? My Spurs fans message me and call me a a horrible person. My boss called me a, a caricature of myself the other day because he's like, my friends send me uh, screen grabs of you trapping off on the internet. I've gone. I've <laughs> I've I've basically gone 15 years under the radar without Spurs fan noticing me, and now they're now they're carrying my message every week. It's uh, <laughs> there's a, there's, it's,
1: there's a few who are in close dialogue for sure. Uh, yeah, absolute bottom feeders, a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: there, there are there are it's true. There are some Spurs fans that have started to target us, and literally they're tweeting us some nonsense. Every little. T- they're signing the next little reject who's not going to work <laughs> out of their club, and they're like, "See Arsenal fans tagging us in there? Do you like that, boys?" It's like, "All oh, right, mate. Hope Jed Spence works out for
2: you. He might not. He might <laughs> yeah. not. We don't know. You know don't oh, we, it we live rent-free in your. You live. We live rent-free in your head. It's like, I I always hate Spurs. Like, it's not. It's not rent-free in your head. You're our biggest rivals, of course. I'm. Because I think about. Spurs and the thing that I love about this whole Spurs operation that's going down right now it it has a it has a very short shelf life Conte is either going to do something this season and leave or he's not going to do something this season and leave and I, I just can't wait to see it unravel they'll have a strong start and then Harry Kane will get injured and then I'm hoping the implosion comes um guys we have got we've got a packed show today so I was wondering if um if we just get started, what do you think? Let's do it. Mirror You twist and turn my mind
0: Until I don't know who
2: I am Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. We might abbreviate it the AOP after Johnny's rap earlier AOP, in the week. Yeah, the Patreon's inspired a lot of things. It's inspired uh, Johnny's presentation skills. It's inspired Johnny's rap skills. Um, he's learned a bit of technology because he's doing customer service behind the scenes. We now know what a private RSS feed is. Welcome to the show, everybody. We're going to have a, an action-packed one. Last week, we did, a, we did the, the... Every summer, we do a podcast where we say everything is going terribly. <laughs> We're not going to sign any players. And right the next day... We, we start getting linked to all of these players. There's a different tone that's coming out of the Arsenal opinion this week because transfers are on the horizon. We can see the plan and we can see that Arsenal are going to be incredibly ambitious, this transfer window. I'm back with the full gang. Johnny Cochran, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
3: Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, mate. And look, don't, let's not be as hard on ourselves as you're trying to put out there, Pete. Look, the fact is, is it was quite appropriate to be kicking off a little bit in our last pod. Because we weren't signing anyone. I, I'm not out here just trying to be negative for the sake of it. But if our rivals keep signing <laughs> players and we don't sign anyone, then guess what? I'm going to turn the temperature up a bit. Okay? It's not down to me. It's down to the club. Guess what? I'm feeling a little bit better about it. This is that like that 90s film, Field <laughs> of Dreams. Okay? If you build it, they will come. And we, we've built it. We are starting to lay the groundwork in with players that are... Interesting, You know, it's not like we are in the market anymore to just sign players who are the world, top of world class. Do you know what I mean? We're not, we're not going to be doing that. We have to sign younger players with high ceiling, but it's exciting when that happens. And, um, yeah, I certainly don't apologise for cutting a downbeat uh, figure on the last one because I felt that was very appropriate. And what is appropriate now is a little bit of a bounce in our step because... The players look like they might be on their way. So, yeah, it will be naturally more cheery this time, I think.
2: Mac it's great to have you back on the show. You look like you're in a different location today. It's Father's Day, uh, which is a celebration. I've got two fathers and an expectant father uh, on this podcast today. It's also Juneteenth in America, the, uh, the celebration of the true ending of slavery in America. So if anybody is on this show enjoying either one of those events, welcome to the show. We're glad that you're spending time with us. Matt, how are you doing? What's going on?
1: I'm good, mate. I'm good. Yeah, I'm very optimistic. Uh, last week, I, you, I was I was on the ledge, mate, to be honest. I woke up, <laughs> uh, I uh, I tuned in to some of my WhatsApp groups, Bissouma signing for 25 million. <laughs> Someone just needed to like pull me back off the edge. I was ready to go, there was nothing going on. We've just been hearing about Tielemann for the last four months. <laughs> Meanwhile, Spurs are completely reorging their whole uh team, and then and then it shifted, didn't it? And um, I'm feeling cautiously optimistic. I feel like Edu has got a plan, he's moved away from the grill and is about to, <laughs> about to make some big signings. So, yeah, like all. All optimism uh, right now, and excited to get into it. And then the fixtures came, and wow, I feel like I feel like those uh, those Spurs fans over at, 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 at fixture HQ uh, have been reading the Grove because we've got the easiest easiest start to a <laughs> season ever seen by any team, right?
2: Yes, the Spurs fans—they're <laughs> so funny. Like, let before we get into the, the, the podcast, I wrote that um, I wrote that tweet thread. I got an actual data scientist with a PhD to run the analysis. The chances of our fixtures rolling like they did last season were 3%. And the whole idea was to run the sirens up through the Premier League, get those fixture people at that company thinking about what they'd done to Arsenal. And listen, it seemed to work. It seemed to work. And the best part about it working is Spurs fans carried that message. (laughs) <laughs> three, 3 million impressions, 180,000 engagements on that tweet, 180,000. And what did we get out the end of it? Really for any fixtures. So I'm not taking the full credit. I'm taking <laughs> so, majority so of it. Let's be clear on Spurs. that though,
3: Pete. How much are you actually saying going, you know, live on this <laughs> podcast today that you were responsible you yourself, Pedro, were responsible for Arsenal's easy running. Is that how, how much? I'm you saying, reckon Johnny, I'm wise? gonna
2: say there were a few reasons, but I was definitely in the top one. The top one, there we go, yeah, yeah,
3: fair enough. Yeah,
2: so enough.
1: I think you're, you're, you're the master of the dark arts, you influenced it from afar. Uh, you know, your fingerprints are all over it, but uh, no one's gonna find them,
2: no one's gonna <laughs> find them at all. I put pressure on. That that guy with the Aussie R-Dealers tattoo punching in our fixtures last year. Oh, let's give Arsenal bad fixtures. Let's put Norwich last game of the season for Spurs. Not this year. Not this year. All right, I'm 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 pumped. Uh, you know what I want to do? I want to go right into the hottest take, Johnny, because you were a little bit cold last week. I need you to heat the podcast up. Oh, okay. Well, don't worry about it. I'm uh, I am suitably
3: hyped. I just saw in the comments someone someone saying. They know I mean business when my voice goes high, uh, <laughs> and I am someone who can bang a little falsetto out in the middle of a rant, and everyone knows it. But no, look, I, I am hyped. I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty keen on what I'm saying. And Do you know what it is as well? We've talked about in the past about when we identify our players, these targets, and I've said, you know what, like like a an ailing marriage, where you're like. You know, just surprise me a little bit. You're, you're wondering why you don't have sex anymore. Like do something spontaneous. And that's <laughs> what I want from Arsenal, okay? They've put it's red panty night, okay? They've just gone, you heard about this new kid, Vieira. Oh, we've got him. Oh, okay. You know, and I'm racing. And I tell you what, you, I don't even need the Viagra today. I'm charged. Let's go. That was a, it you, was a thing
1: it was a finger up the bum, that one, wasn't it? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> little surprise. We've lowered the tone of the Arsenal. Oh my god. <laughs> The people no that tune into good family entertainment and we're saying, oh, but hey, listen, guys, <laughs> you, you pay your entry, here we go. Um, no, look, we are... No one is out there saying we need to sign... You know, is, is Messi up? Is Ronaldo Well, We need to get these guys in. We just We just need to believe that there's a plan. And when I see players being identified who are who are not necessarily being discussed. We kind of have known with Gabriel uh, Jesus and obviously Tielemans, that link's not going away. These are players that we are looking at, out, at. No one's denying that. But no one saw this Vieira one coming. It was it was somewhat of a surprise to almost everyone. I don't think anyone was talking about him. And it's nice to be surprised in that way. And It's nice to know that the club are sticking to some kind of plan that they have and they're not just going with, you know, stories in the media that, uh, you know, with players who look like they might uh, be something Arsenal could um, benefit from. But I like the fact that we're sticking to our guns on the kind of profile we are. And uh, Vieira does two things. Yes, he maintains the age profile of the squad, looks immensely talented. I mean, we've all done our YouTube review by now, haven't we? (laughs) No one knew him before. And now we've seen about 16 different Vieira Comp- compilations on youtube um but if you have been watching them you'll probably be impressed by what you see i know it's a compilation it's obviously going to it's a puff piece but he does look like he's really technically proficient you can't do some of the things that he does if you're not very good and he's had good um, success at youth level now it feels like with that signing in if we were to get the ones that we are obviously linked with we need Jesus through the door. I'm more comfortable with Jesus coming in now. I, I've made my piece of it a lot more. Now Darwin Nunes, which was an absolute pipe dream, obviously, but he went and, you know, obviously other players that we were never going to be in, they went. I'm more comfortable with the fact that, no, if you look at Jesus, I think he's a decent little guy. So it would be great for him to come through the door. And overall, it just seems like Arsenal... From feeling like a week ago, I was unsure whether they had a plan. Now I feel like there is a plan at play. And that makes everyone feel better about themselves. And, uh, you know,
2: um, onwards and upwards. Mac Johnny's heated up the room uh, with a very positive opening. You and I did a Patreon special. If you go to patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal Opinion, you can listen to it for a small fee per month. And we talked about um, a transfer window before Arsene Wenger um, uh, won the Premier League. We ended the season against Newcastle. We lost. We didn't make the Champions League. And then we had an all-out baller of a summer. Um, what, what do you think about this transfer window if all of those names drops? Have we had the best transfer window of the last 20 years? Is it moving us to the next lead, uh, level? Is the needle moved?
1: Well, look. Let's just let's just start with where what we've what we've gone through for the last decade. Last decade, we've got so much scar tissue from just some of the most disastrous transfer windows you've ever seen. And so, even though last year was actually all right, my my hope and expectation for a transfer window is is low. It's low. And and you know what I was feeling like I was thinking. You know what's going to happen? We're going to get Telemann and Jesus in. And that's going to be it. That's sort of what I thought was going to happen. And, oh, yeah, we would have got more, but it, we didn't get the Champions League. And that's where we're going to end up. And they're two new signings and they're exactly what we want. For me, getting those two in alone means you stand still rather than slip back. And then when you look at some of the moves the other clubs are, mo- are playing, it's you sign those two and you get fifth next year. That's, that's where you end up. But what is exciting me is just... The new first of all, the news that we signed this player who doesn't actually look like he is going to slot in from day one as a first team starter. Because for me, if we're dropping 30 odd million on potentially non starters, you don't do that unless you've got major plans this summer. So there's a bit of an assumption there, but 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 that that was something that excited me about that. The second thing that excited me. No one saw it coming, and so Blindside. it makes it makes you just realise Arteta has got Colney on lockdown. He has. There's no gossip. The news that's out there, Tielemann could be a smokescreen. He could be this year's Emmy Buendea until we go out and sign someone else you've never heard of. You know, so that's all really, really positive as well. I think. um. And so I think we could be signing players. I think we could be looking at signing up players that we haven't, we're not even talking about today. I think there's more signings that could come completely out of the blue. But, you know, all the noise is we're going to make five to seven signings this summer. They're going to be big. Um, not big as in huge transfer fees, but big as in, you know, around that 20 to 40 million range. We're going to completely. We're going to have a season like we're going to have a transfer window like last transfer window is, is what it feels like, where we're going to completely revamp the team rather than add two, two or three players. And when you add in Saliba, uh, uh, then you know I really, really feel very, very optimistic about it. Obviously, none of these have dropped, but Ornstein doesn't normally get it wrong. It sounds like sounds like this defender, uh, the Ajax left sided. Lisandro is is Lisandro coming. Lisandro
2: Martinez.
1: Sounds like he's coming in. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, we need a we need a tall, rangy striker, and we need uh, and we need a, a central midfielder. And at the moment, we've got a number ten, and we've got a centre back, left back. My God, things are moving this summer. Like it's, he's not going to do a Wenger and sign those two, and then not address the striker and central midfielder. It's just not happening. So it looks like we've got major, major movement, and this is shaping up to be the most exciting transfer window for Arsenal since the early two thousands.
2: Two lovely hot takes there. Two lovely hot takes. Uh, my hot take is: uh, sometimes you have to wait six months uh, to to really come back on a point, and sometimes you take a lot of heat and a lot of pressure from your from your your co podcasters. Um, <laughs> and I took a lot of heat for saying that we shouldn't spend money, uh, like crazy people in January. I said signing Isaac for 75 million was not ambition. <laughs> was not we we, we, we did, said, come, unless fifth, we did get, come fifth. Unless, unless, uh, unless you can buy the best player on the market, you should just wait. And where are we? We're in the summer. Looks likely that we'll get Gabriel Jesus for sub 40 million. If Raheem Sterling is leaving for 35 million uh, and Jesus has one year left in his deal, we'll get him for um, 35 million odd That's uh, 30 million less than Vlahovic, who I would have liked. And that gives you the opportunity to sign another player. Maybe Lissandro doesn't happen um, if you don't move that. So by being patient, uh, we've got access to better players. We've got access to better prices. And we are going to have a better summer and a better future because we kept the powder dry and didn't spend money on Valk Vighorst who took Burnley down. Oh, my God. Yes, you knew I, I was going to come back on that. You're coming. Patience and trust the process. We have started to trust the process. And what, what, what can we absolutely guarantee? Mikael Arteta bangs the table for money. He gets the money and it looks like he's investing it in creative and in innovative ways. And we'll talk about all of the players that were brought in. But I look at Spurs. They're like, we need a we need a wide player. Like, who's who's who looks like a bargain? 33-year-old Perisic. Uh, they look at a backup goalkeeper. They say uh, Forster will be all right because he makes big saves in big games. They look at, uh, we need a midfielder. And they sign Basuma because everyone on Twitter likes them. Arsenal are going at their transfer window with absolute precision. We're looking at a backup left-back. We're not looking at the same as Kieran Tierney. We're looking at somebody that builds play and that can do everything Jack can do when he drops into left-back. We're looking at our creativity and we're saying if we've got a small striker... Um, that's played at Manchester City, we need to have a creator that understands that mechanism so we've got the deadliest um, one of the deadliest players in the final third in Europe. Everything we're doing has uh, a rationale behind it. Every profile of player has character. They're between 21 and 24 and they're about to bang. This Fabio Vieira is Kevin De Bruyne before he he, he hit the next level. That's the That's the gamble that we're taking and I'm thrilled because Arsenal have finally got a plan. This summer window where we're spending money on four or five players, it's not about making top four. It's about being ready to challenge for the title when Liverpool and Manchester City drop off at some point. So I think we've got a bit of ambition back at the club. We can, everyone can see the direction we're going. And like Matt said at the top of the podcast, no one is talking about Spurs' transfer window now because it looks quite bland to the ambition that we're putting into it. So uh, on that note, we're going to head into... Famous shirt numbers. We'll talk about transfers in a minute. The famous shirt number this week, um, it's number 41. Uh, Sorry, Matt, I'll uh, get that banner off your face right now. Um, Let's talk about the famous shirt number of 41. Uh, Frimpong, number 41. Does anybody remember uh, Frimpong and Dench and getting sent off at Liverpool and ending his career? Who has a good story about Emmanuel Frimpong?
3: No, he 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 came in and he was an absolute nutter as well. And the thing <laughs> is, is rather like the Hale Enders, you know, he came through the came through the academy and and he he wanted to do well for Arsenal. He loved Arsenal, but you know, as much as you wanted him to do well, you just realised we had a real loose cannon on the, on our hands. Like, do you remember there was a period where it's in the game where he would just like run around for a few minutes, just kicking people? It's like, like, it's like oh wait, he just. Goes around kicking people. I love Love the yellow card. He he also he didn't he have a weird Mohican at one point as well. Like uh, kind of looked a bit like Balrog out of Street Fighter for a phase. I don't know where that's where his fashion took him. But um, yeah, no, he he was he was he certainly uh, earned a lot of. A lot of cult status when he was an Arsenal player. And I think we all wanted the best for him. It just didn't work out in the end. But, yeah, got a lot of love for Frimpong.
1: I mean, the one thing I'd add on that is I think he ruptured both ACLs. Mm. And I actually thought he had a lot of the tools he needed to become a top-class player. And I remember him playing in that Liverpool game and he was the one player. It was the beginning of that season where we lost Seska Nasri and... He was the only player on the pitch who I was proud to call an Arsenal fan in those opening games. I thought he was absolutely showed everything you wanted. And I think at that age, an ACL can absolutely, you can be fine or it can ruin you. And you look at Bellerin and you look at Alan Shearer, it ruined Bellerin. Alan Shearer, you know, made it, he, he, he managed it to, to, to survive them. But I think Frimpong probably too young, too inexperienced. Not enough about the rest of his game beyond the explosiveness to make it, but I'm a big fan of his.
2: Uh, my my only story that I've got of Frimpong, I um, I tweeted that if Frimpong knuckled down and stopped with all the sort of nonsense outside the game, I said, you know, he could emulate someone like Ray Parlour. And I went to bed and I woke up in the morning and my phone was like buzzing like crazy, and Ray Parlour had tweeted me back and said thanks mate <laughs> i was like oh no i've offended ray parlor i've offended ray parlor um j emmanuel thomas mostly famous for his uh acronym uh, nickname of jet and he was in the same youth team side as tom cruise could have been a combination for the ages never worked out um <laughs> luke freeman was kind of one of these signings that had a little bit of hype around it but it was uh, one of those, uh, when you started to see that Wenger was losing a little bit of his touch towards the end, like there was massive hype over him and he, it never really worked out. I think he came from Gillingham or he ended up at Gillingham, but didn't really do the job. And Gavin Hoyt, the brother of Justin. Of Justin,
3: uh, yeah. They were like our Neville brothers, weren't they? You know what I mean? But just yeah, not as good. If, just if not- Justin Hoyt's the good one, then uh, you've, got, you've got some issues, haven't you? I mean, don't get me wrong. Lovely lads. Arsenal boys, through and through, we wish them well, but neither of them up to the quality that we needed at Arsenal. Although, you know, at the end of the day, if Justin Hoyt or a character like that was in the squad right now, there'd be people going, give him a chance. I think they can earn, <laughs> earn that place I, in the team. <laughs> I'll tell you
1: one one funny st- my, my, um I think I've told this story in the pod before, but my story of J. Emmanuel Thomas is the one and only time I've met Arsene Wenger. I said, who from the FA, and it was at the FA Youth Cup. I said, who's going to make it? And he goes, only one player of this whole team is going to make it. He goes, well, Jack Wilshire. And I go, that's it. And he goes, the only, the other player who could make it is J. Emmanuel Thomas. And I think he'd scored a couple of goals, maybe even that, maybe even the hat trick that night. He goes, but he, he goes, but he could only, he he could make it, but only if he plays centre half and he doesn't want to play centre half, so he's not going to make it. Which you know maybe that was again Arsene Wenger being prescient and realizing that ball playing, uh, dynamic centre halves were going to be the new thing. But um, I wonder, don't know what happened there.
3: No, nice. well, so uh, Campbell used to be a striker as well, didn't he? He did.
1: Yeah. He good, yeah. He did.
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Wenger probably went, hold up, <laughs> we've got a guy who's you know currently playing striker. He's uh, not going to make it there, but he could be an absolute nutter at the back, but. I mean, yeah, jet jet in the back line could have been something, but oh, yeah, alas, never to
2: be. All right, let's uh, let's let's move into some uh, some players that we're linked to at the moment. Oh, we're going to start with Fabio Vieira. The fee is 29 million. Um, he's already had his medical at Arsenal, his position is attacking midfielder. He's 22 years old, he's a Portuguese under 21 captain, so there's loads of character there, and he's coming from Porto. This feels like the most what the fuck signing in a very long time, but for all the right reasons. I had Zach Lowy on the podcast. Uh, Zach, Low, Zach, Lowey, Zach Lowey on the podcast, Portuguese expert, said he's an excellent player. I've got Porto season ticket holders up in my DMs saying this this player is the real deal. Um, he's got one of the best productivity outputs in Europe on the least amount of minutes. He's a he's a he's a big player. Everybody's really excited about him. Uh, Matt Candela, when you saw this one drop into the feed, what were your thoughts? Where where is this guy going? What's going on? How excited are you?
1: (laughs) I was just so excited. Uh, Being rational goes completely out the window. Number one, is there a better name for a prospective Arsenal signing than Vieira? The only name that would have been better than Fabio Vieira is Patrick Vieira. It's the second best name we could get from a new signing, frankly. Um, I love the fact that it just came out of, uh, of, of, of left field. I love the fact of that the price is nice. You know, it's enough to make you realize we've got a player, but it's not enough to like, spank our whole budget. Um, don't know anything about him. Watch the YouTube videos. Look, every, you know, he was basically, by the end of watching those videos, it was, you know, Bernardo Silva's love child uh, with all the best bits of everyone else that we love and adore. So can't wait to bring him in. Big question for me. I mean, it's a strange one in terms of spending that amount of money on a position where we've got Smith-Rowe, we've got Saka and we've got Odegaard and it feels that like he's a cross between a right-sided, forward, a 10 and an 8. <laughs> so it's, you wouldn't put it down as our most pressing need, but apparently Arteta liked him and when ta- when his talent ID goes in full effect, we've just got to gotta, gotta follow it, right? So it was obviously something that made us just think we couldn't wait because I think I listened to you talking um, with Zach and hearing that he thought he could actually benefit from another year at Porto. I think it's important to, to say the things that he, <laughs> we might not want to be talking about. I didn't hear uh, that. I actually didn't hear that. He did say that. But, you know, just in terms of... He only came into the team really in January. He's literally played half a season. But obviously Arteta in the, has thought if we let him do another season he's off to Real Madrid at the end of next season. That's the only reason you go in now with that type of money. He's obviously, and he just has got the conviction to believe that even if it doesn't work out, we can get the sell on and we, we're going to lose him to, to, a, to a Real Madrid and Manchester City if we don't snap him up now. So let's hope that talent ID is elite. And, and um, apparently, yeah.
2: apparently, the only reason that it could, this deal could happen in secret is because the player only wanted Arsenal. So it shows you that Arsenal still has pull. Um, Johnny, when you saw this transfer, did it take you back to the days when Arsene Wenger needed to get goals, so he signed another number ten?
3: Yeah, do you know that's a, that's a pretty good comp to be fair. Um, it did. It, it harks back to a time where we were bold and ambitious in the transfer market, and we would certainly sign players, as Matt's alluding to, that the fans didn't see coming. It's like, okay, surprise me. That's good. Who's this player? And they go on to be, you know, quality. That that, that that's a nice little touch that we've, you know, mostly not been able to enjoy lately. But, um, you know, I think the part of it is, like you say, Pete, it's not just signing players, it's being ambitious enough to sign players where maybe you don't feel like you have the greatest need. But if special players become available, and it's like, I'm not interested in signing this guy to maintain, this is a advancement player. This is going to push us further along, you know, more runs up the ladder. And... It is interesting to think about where he might play. I think, you know, some people have said it in passing, but I'm not sure enough focus has been, you know, uh, kind of shone on the idea he might play at the eight. And it might be a Xhaka replacement. He the, the main comp for me, which with people, which I agree with, is the Bernardo Silva one. He looks very much like him, but Bernardo can play in that centre of midfield as well. We've seen it before. And I think depending on the person lining up alongside him, i.e. if it's Thomas Partey and he's back and he's fit and he's playing, Vieira does look like he could get his foot, you know, he could get stuck in. I know it's compilations, but a few nice little side tackles in there. But his range of passing, his ability to break lines with his passing, his, you know, weight of touch looks to be spot on. You know, other comp, we're talking Cesc Fabregas for me, the way that he was pacing these balls and they were just dropping in that lovely window where a striker can run onto it and the keeper doesn't know where to come for it. And, and not all players can do that. It's, they're much more sledgehammer than the feather. And this guy looks like he's got a feather foot and I love to, I love to see it. But, you know, I, I don't think, you know, as Matt said, I don't think um, this is a player that looks like he would solve everything, all of our needs. Obviously, our biggest ones being that we'd still need to recruit a striker. But I don't think that any Arsenal fans worried that we're not going to get a striker or anything. We're going to, it looks like we're, this is an extra signing on top of the ones that we ultimately need. And if there was a midfield with Vieira knocking about with Tielemans in there and party, you know, that's something you can start feeling a bit confident about instead of being like, you know, we're one bad tackle away from going 20 games with El Nenny and Xhaka. Like all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we've got some options and some creativity from deep. And hopefully, if we do buttress our attack, um, you know, with the, the fact that some of our best players, if not our best player, um, in terms of our wing forwards, they're all going to be a year more experienced. And, you know, the mood will start to lift because we have the ability and we have the kind of profile to be able to jump quite a considerable, you know, distance in terms of our output and productivity. And and most importantly, attacking threat and goal scoring potential because we're going to need to see a huge input. Import- improvement on that this year and when you start seeing signings like this you're like okay well at least it seems like they're taking it a bit seriously and obviously the Lissandro Martinez which most people didn't see coming it's like hold up a lot of the people we're targeting you know have good track records a good profile of players and it looks like we're putting our best foot forward which is what I called for last week just the club to be acting with ambition
2: yeah I love all that I thought there was some interesting pieces that you guys um you know, I, I don't want to just repeat what you said because I agree with everything that you've both said. There were some interesting pieces about the transfer that I liked. Uh, uh, Mendes seemed to want to be part of the announcement that he instigated the deal and he dealt with the deal. It's very interesting. I feel like David Ornstein always has a... There's always like some sort of backhanded pop at Edu somewhere along the way. So I thought it was interesting that Mendes was saying, hey, I'm involved in this one and that's how you've got the player. Um, he's had a... 20, 23 goal contributions uh, 23 contributions that either a goal or an assist in 39 appearances across 1,990 minutes. That's a contribution every 86 minutes which is absolutely phenomenal. And the, the reason that I like this signing is Manchester City always go out and they, they spend money on odd players. They spend a lot of money but Cancelo comes in and he comes mm. in for an astronomical fee and you don't know why he's been brought in, and then all of a sudden, you know, he looks like one of the best players in the Premier League. Edison comes in, and you're like, why do they sign a, a a goalkeeper like this? And then you're like, oh wow, the things that he can do with his feet are incredible. And I and feel like base. Fabi. Uh, and yeah, yeah, uh, there's 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 always a really interesting player. Yeah, the, sorry, sorry. Yes, yeah, nice. there's always a player that comes out, and I think this Fabio Vieira one. It's like. You don't. I didn't really understand why he was doing it. And then you look at the flexibility, then you look at the talent, and you look at that final ball delivery, and you're like, well, if Arsenal are going to move to a situation next season where we don't have the opportunity of height in our front line, we've got to find people that can thread the eye of a needle. Deep blocks were a big problem for Arsenal last season. And every Porto fan says, if you have a deep block that you're playing against, Fabio Vieira is, is, the, is the one. And Zach said on the show, he said, you know, he's kind of similar to Erdegaard, but somebody else said he's not like Erdegaard. He's like Meza Urzel with work rate. Like, oh, oh I mean, I mean, that, that gets me excited. It's obviously <laughs> going to take him a while to bed in. I don't expect him to start straight away, but I, I, I can't. I don't know where he's going to play. You know, I wonder whether, I, I wonder the same. Maybe there could be some sort of eight role for him. But I, I also think the probably the simplest um, and most straightforward plan is that we're going to get rid of Pepe. And last season, Saka could never be rotated out because Nicolas Pepe just couldn't do the job. And Fabio Vieira has a lot of control, doesn't waste a lot um, and he, you know, he can keep the assist going from the right we, don't, you know, we won't drop a level if Saka isn't in the side next season so I think this is a really exciting signing for Arsenal and it's, it's Arsenal trying to identify the next Kevin De Bruyne before he's Kevin De Bruyne and I'm, I'm so glad that we've gone back to making signings like this and showing that we can still do interesting things with, without having to spend £100 million on each player we uh, have
3: to do that, Pete. We, and, and you're completely right. And that's a great point to end on. At the end of the day, this is the only way we're going to bridge that gap in a short amount of time. It's about buying the play, the next world-class players the year before they become good enough so they won't come to us anymore. We have to take those gambles. And I tell you what, if, if our eye is in right, we will get ourselves some bargains. And, you know, putting this guy, you know, a, a potential... Young De Bruyne type, if you like. I, I think it's more of a, a Bernardo Silva, but that would be more than well good enough for us right now. And a Van Dijk in waiting. You heard it here five Ooh. first. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> the team. I tell
2: you what. Tell you what. Could be pretty fucking exciting. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to the the next player, and we've spoken about him uh, a lot. Uh, and I'm gonna get my men in black pen out. I'm gonna ask you to look into the red light and forget everything bad I said about short strikers because I tell you, there's going to be a 360 pivot coming from me. Uh, Gabriel Jesus has been linked heavily with Arsenal. I didn't think it was going to happen, but I think he's got one year left on his deal. I think we can get him for less than £40 million. Pounds. And now it's time to just accept David Ornstein has a better way into Arsenal than I ever have. And he's going to be right. Arsenal are going to have Jesus. We're going to make him the main man next season. And the reason that I am very, very hyped about his signing is uh, this little slide from uh, courtesy of Sky Sports. Um, We've got, uh, when Gabriel starts, um, he's he's made 99 uh, 99 appearances. He's dropped 8,000 minutes for City. When he's started, he's got 53 goals and 23 assists. So um, 76 goal contributions in 99 appearances when he started. All of a sudden, I'm a convert, right? All of a sudden, I'm like, "What was I? What was I thinking? Besmirching the good name of of, of Jesus." Um, so it looks like this deal is going to go through. He doesn't have the height. I'm a little bit worried that Eddie Nketiah is a very similar sort of player because you know you can't target them with high balls into the box. But this is where we're going to land. We're going to get a 60 million pound player for almost half price. Uh, Matt Candela, what's the what's the story on Jesus? So uh, is this is this a a miracle move? Are we about to see the sort of a Dennis Burkatt moment where you make someone the main man and they, they rise to the challenge. Where How should we judge this transfer? Cause it seems very likely it's going to happen now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's a seven out of 10 to be honest. Oh. Um, I think it's the right decision to make because I think it allows us to make other moves around. It's he's the, it's signing him is the reason we can go and do the Vieira move. We can do some of those other moves because we're spending a lot less money, and we've got rid of Lacazette and Aubameyang in terms of those big wages. That's you know five, six hundred thousand a week of wages on those two that that can go into this, and we can be spending half of that on there. So I think it's the right move. I think there's potentially a lot of upside. I think it's exciting to think about what our new we get. We're turning into we've got this sort of Brazilian connection. You know, Martinelli, Jesus the Marquinhos, you know, all of these players coming together and a lot I of think, a lot of yeah, and I think and I think that's a big pull to, to have this sort of like modern Brazilian connection where it's the flair of Brazil but also sort of the hard working aggression. And look, you don't normally go wrong by having a Brazilian core. That's just the reality. Look at world football over the last 40 years and see and and see that. So I think it's the right move. Like anything, it's going to need a lot of luck. You know, we're going to need him to bang. We're going to need him to score goals. You know, what you don't want is three games in, injury. Because suddenly you go, wait a minute. We bought one striker. We gave Eddie a new deal. And now, supposing he does his cruise three games in. We've literally got Eddie on his own for the season. And so, you know, I always think, you Jeez, know, Pat. I know, I know. I'm just being realistic. Yeah. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying, um, we should always be thinking about preparing for the worst. And I think we need another striker, uh, even if it's someone younger, even if it, like to, to have a plan for if that happens. Um, but well, yeah, we still got it's,
2: Malika,
1: it's, haven't we? Oh, oh, come on, yeah, is it? <laughs> he's gonna.
2: I think he has to go out on loan again. He's
1: gonna go out on loan. So, so I think it's seven out of ten, and I think. It can be it yeah, that's just, just how I feel. I would have loved I would have loved a Tammy Abraham or or someone just to really redimensionalize our attack. But I think this is what we're gonna get, and I think we're going all gonna get behind him, and I think it's good value.
2: Johnny Matt seems to still be quite attached to a tall boy summer. Are you more about the small man? 76 goal contributions in 90 odd games. That sounds incredible. Are you thinking it's a seven out of ten or is this going a little bit higher up your scale? Um,
3: I think it's a little bit higher up the scale. I think it's like a seven and a half. I know why Matt would be plumping for a seven. I don't necessarily know that it's an eight, but if you package it up as an entire deal, it is an eight out of 10 because we're getting very good value on the pound for Jesus. There's no, we are getting him for cheaper than what he's worth because of the nature of his in the last year of his contract. And we're also in a situation where we are benefiting as many clubs have in the past from feeding off of a giant super club with all of their talent and the natural disaffection that some of their players build up through, you know, the intense competition for places or whatever. And they get to the stage where after a while they were like, you know, I want to be the main man somewhere. I want to start a little legacy somewhere. And that's what Arsenal were doing rather than, you know, spending loads of money on players who are, unproven in many respects. I think Jesus is far more proven. He's won league titles, multiple league titles. He's played at every level of club competition. He's an international striker for one of the best teams. I find it funny, you know, what Matt was saying about Brazil, the Brazilian kind of hub. And I think we're actually a dual nationality nationality kind of hub for players at the moment. But we're Anglo-Brazilian because we've also got the big English core, and we've got the Brazilian core. And if you think about the kind of um, current state of play in international football, there's not too many better nations to be built around right now. Brazil is holding it down in South America. Of course, Argentina have had a little run, but Brazil feel like they're building something again. Got a lot of good, young, exciting players. And England, have a, despite you know a poor loss against Hungary the other week, in general, you know, you look at their last two major uh, tournament appearances, there's no question that England have a legitimate claim to be the best team in Europe these days. Um, whether or not they are or not, you know, other people will disagree. But either way, to be built around English and um, Brazilian players, I think, because this is the thing, and I just want to end on that point, On just on this, you know, there's no, there's no big uh, unknown or, or surprise about the fact that our legacy that was built under Wenger was built around a French core at a time when the French teams were having a real, you know, boom moment. If you build your squad around a certain nationality at a certain time, sometimes you get lucky when a generation comes through. Obviously, Barcelona had all the Spanish players and all the Spanish players were just suddenly like, we're the nuts. And, you know, you can start being dominant over that period. So I think the horses we've bet on are, are pretty sound. In terms of Gabby, Gabby uh, and framing this transfer, if we look at the Erdegaard signing as a a success, I think it was a success, but part of the reason why it's been conceived in that way, or perceived in that way, I should say, is that Erdegaard didn't come with a huge fee attached to him. Otherwise, we'd scrutinise him more than what we perhaps do, and maybe he tailed off a bit towards the end of the season um, and suddenly you're like, oh, we spent a fortune. Whereas because we felt like we got value on the pound for him, we look at his season as being decent. We know he's growing. And hey, Zeus, if we've been able to sign him for cheaper than what we would have otherwise, and that allows us to get some other players, it's, it's going to afford him a luxury to bed himself nicely into Arsenal. And I think that by halfway through the season, as long as he avoids this car crash of an injury that Matt seems to be prophesizing now there. Yeah, you know, uh, hopefully Gabriel Jesus doesn't get knocked down by a car and then a bulldozer runs over his arm and he's walking in and a, a wrecking ball comes in. Yeah, we all hope that, Matt. We really do. <laughs> Otherwise, yes, we know Eddie will be playing for the rest of the season. But look, Eddie's going to be sitting there as well. And this is uh, what I'll end on. Eddie's going to be sitting there and saying, whatever you think of Eddie, and we're going to get onto that, the fact is, he ended the season well and he's not here to be a substitute striker. Eddie Nketiah wants to be the main man and we know that because of, again, what we'll be getting on to, but he's taken the 14, he's he's picked up the cape. Some people question that. They question whether he's the right man. Either way, he's gone for it. He wants to be the main man at Arsenal. So whilst I think we have a, a proven striker in Gabi Jesus, if he does play up front, for us to feel confident with, We've also got a striker now who's saying, I want to be the main man and I'm hoping to take my opportunities when I get them. I want to score goals. And at the very least, we're going to have two hungry strikers with a bit between their teeth trying to prove that they are the real deal. And that's a good place for us to be in considering where we found ourselves with strikers over the last couple of years.
2: Love that. If you are watching this and there's a lot of you watching this show, hit that subscribe button. Uh, So Anglo-Brazilian... Um, the shared culture of pies, is it steak and kidney empanadas? I think it might be. I think it might be in the dressing room. I think that that's the way that you, uh, that you keep the most people happy. I'm really happy with Gabriel um, Jesus coming to Arsenal, especially if he comes for a low fee. Um, he's a winner. He's a winner. He won the league last season. We're going to make him the main man. I think that uh, you know he's, he's a very robust player. He doesn't get injured um, often, so I'm hoping that he can stay fit all season. Uh, and I just think that it just sets a really nice tone. You know, part of uh, signing top players is it makes the, the players that you've already got at the club feel very good. Arsene Wenger's biggest mistake with Project Youth is that he didn't give Sesk enough, you know, mature, experienced talent to work with. It didn't give Robin Van Persie the players that he needed. And in the end, those players gave up and they went elsewhere. I think, Mikel Arteta is like, we've got Bukayo Saka. The only way this player is going to stay here is if we are constantly progressing. And I think Gabriel Jesus is, uh, is going to be a top signing for Arsenal. I am with Matt. I would like, I would have preferred a Tammy Abrahams, but I'd imagine Tammy's probably going to go for 80, 90 million um, in this market. But um, it's, it's, it's a shrewd move by Arsenal. No one knows the character of Jesus better better than uh, Mikel Arteta. So, I think, it's a, I think it's a positive for the club. I think he'll get lots of goals next season. And I just love the flexibility that it brings in. He can go out left, he can go out right. But I think that this is, a, this is a really big move. It's not often we take players in their prime from our rivals. You know, we're usually ending up with William Gallas or Petr Cech. And now we've got a player that's 25 years old. This is a £60 million player that we're going to put into our striking um, system next season. And you're right, Johnny, it does give us flexibility to spend money elsewhere, which is a beautiful segue into the next player that i want to talk about uh where is it here we go so this is a this is a player i'm really excited about it's a, he's gone quite under the radar uh, in europe but arsenal were interested in signing him last season for i think they opted for power and pace but uh, one one of the big weaknesses that was on the brief for players that are needed to be signed this summer uh, was left back kieran tierney last season uh, only played 60% of the game. Same same with the two seasons prior to that. He is not reliable. And when he dropped out of the side, our form dipped. So instead of going out and signing another power and play, pace player, Arsenal were looking at Lissandro Martinez, who was who Ajax's player of the season. He's 24 years old. Um, and he's a build-up player. So when Granite Jacker drops into left-back, like he does in a lot of games, he drops into left-back because he can build the play from that position. Lissandro Martinez... Does that, but he also has the the traits that Jacker doesn't have. Like, firstly, he's a defender by trade, and secondly, he's got pace. So this is a this is a guy that's probably going to be in Argentina's World Cup squad uh, in November. IX uh, fans absolutely adore him, and he's going probably for thirty thirty five million. This is this is our attempt at finding a sort of uh, a Cancelo type player. So. Again, instead of signing a replica of what Tierney gives us, and some, you know, some would say Tierney is a little bit one-dimensional, we're signing a player that can play in midfield, can play at centre-back, but can slot in at left-back and give us something different from a tactical perspective. He's got bravery at the core of his game. You know, we saw against Newcastle earlier in the season, we lost, our, we lost our bravery. We didn't want to play through the lines, and we got done by the press. This is adding another player that can step up and play the balls through the line. He can hit that 80-yard pass, he can turn players. He carries the ball. He's absolutely incredible in the air, A bit like uh, Ayala was back in the day. Guys, I'm not gonna lie. I think that this could turn out to be one of the signings of the summer if we make it happen. <laughs> Listen, uh, this is this is the Pedro hype train today. No messing around. This is gonna. This could be an exceptional move. Everyone's very excited about the possibilities. When you saw this name crop up, Johnny, did you immediately go Saliba's going to be on the bench? Or did you, If you got have you got past that stage? Um, I worry, I've got to be honest, actually.
3: I did worry a little bit. I was like, you what? <laughs> what do you mean you sign a centre-half? You're taking a piss. We've only just calmed <laughs> down. You know, we've only just finished coming to blows like the Saliba Ultras and everyone else. But, no, I think that we'll be signing this player if we do get him as a left-back. And I'm with you, Pete. As long as it doesn't affect William Saliba's status... I think this is a really exciting signing, because and you and I and I think it is partly because when you don't know a player, and I can't say I know this guy in in and out. I've heard of him, you know, seen him like in terms of highlights, but I don't know. I don't watch the Dutch league all the time, but I try to base my reaction off of people that do know him. And people were like, "This guy is the nuts! Like he is not a joke." A lot of people who were more okay with him were like, "He is a serious guy." We've all now seen compilations, what he's about. I like the kind of, the kind of you know, the style of his play and his, um, his kind of skill attributes. He looks like he can really do a job. And yeah, an absolute antidote to what Kieran Tierney does and doesn't bring to the, the Arsenal left-back position because what we need more than anything is a durable motherfucker, someone who's showing up week in, week out, running through walls, and as much as Tierney is committed, his body breaks down. It fails him. And, and we need someone, you know, who is just diesel. Someone who is just, they're just ready for it. And all of a sudden, you know, when you take away that Saliba fear that I had and start to think, oh, hold up, we could end up with a back four potentially. Who knows how it'll pan out? We're excited about the competition. But Lissandro Martinez at left back, William Saliba and Gabriel at centre-half, and Tommy Asser at right back. Who's getting through that? Who's getting through that? <laughs> no one. Who wants some? Who wants some with us? So, you know what I mean? Ma- There's no one just struggling, breaking down anymore. It's all nutters. All of them. Ma- Don't knock the ball into the box because we want it. We feed off that like <laughs> Pac-Man. Do you know what I mean? Let's go. Eating it up. We're all tall, all physical. It's exciting. Let's, let's see if this gets done. But... If it does, and he does play left-back and Saliba stays, time to get excited, guys.
2: Matt Candela, Arsene Wenger used to collect number 10s like they were going out of fashion. Mikel Arteta loves a defender. But does this one make more sense than most?
1: I'm going to go somewhere else than where you guys have been. We did our transfer special um, and we talked about the transfer window uh, of 97-98. One of the best signings of that summer. We picked up a central defender with a sweet left foot. Could also did, did also play a little bit of left back. His name, Emmanuel Petit. And he went and played in midfield the following season for Arsenal and went on to forge one of the best central midfield partnerships ever for Arsenal. I saw an interesting uh, statistical analysis. The player closest to this guy in terms of the stat radar, Fernandinho of Manchester City 2018-2019.
2: I'm purring over here.
1: (laughs) So I wonder whether we're buying him to play him somewhere else, whether Arteta has done a little bit of an Arsene Wenger, he's repurposing players, and then you've got someone who can play maybe two or three roles, but maybe... Yeah, when you need that extra solidity in the middle, whether this guy is going to be stepping in alongside Thomas Party, because uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a strange amount of big money to go big on a player. I think it's going to take more than thirty million to get him in a position where really we're probably thinking more backup. I don't think you're spending this money and and with this type of profile for a backup. I think you're spending this type of money on a starter. Yeah. And there isn't one of those necessarily at the back. It's not a priority. So I think this guy is being earmarked for the for the Jacques role next to Thomas Partey.
2: Mm, that's I, interesting. I, th-
3: I think left back would be an open goal for him though. I don't think I think that at this stage I would understand it despite us all being fans of Kieran Tierney, if Arteta thought to himself, I can't base my season on Kieran Tierney's hamstrings or his knees again, I can't do it. Because if he breaks down again, obviously Nuno's not part of the plan for next year, at least. Anyway, I think at this stage, you know, you say it's the pro, the the, the amount of money looks like it's a starter. I think it's a starter. I think Kieran Tierney would be playing backup, and it would be a prove not only your fitness, but then prove that you're better than this guy and you're playing the team. Otherwise. There's going to be some bench time for him this year. Yeah, I don't
1: think you're playing. I don't think you're having a right back and a le- like Tommy Yasu and a left back like Lisandro. I think it's too, it's too defensive. I think when it's like the old Arsenal, it's where you have Lauren at right, but you have Ashley Cole at left. I think you need one who provides that solidity and can drop back and be the third centre half when you want the other one bombing forward and doing doing a madness like Trent. And I think you can't have two just sitting back like that. And I think. This guy, for me, it's, it looks like a Jacker replacement, as JD this, says in the this, comments.
2: You know what this? Uh, you know what this debate sums up perfectly. The, we're signing uh, players that offer a, a lot of flexibility. These are Swiss Army knife players, and the, the fact that he could sit in and do what Jacka does, the fact that he could sit in and do what William Saliba and uh, Ben White do, is massive for us the fact that like I, I i'm kind of with johnny i'd heard that they they think that he'd be an excellent left back and i think that the competition will be fierce for that spot this year but it's nice to have top quality players that can do all the things that you need coming into the side like we need more we don't need backup players we need genuine squad players that can slip in and do a good as job as the person that they're exiting. So I think that this is an interesting one and Kieran has got to stay fit this season. Otherwise I think it could be trouble. All right, we're going to move on to the next player Um, gone a bit under the radar, but I just wanted to get a quick hot take on it. Uh, I live in America. MLS is my league. Um, Matt Turner is widely regarded as one of the best, uh, players in MLS. Most of the big MLS accounts, that support um, the, the US men's national team say that Matt Turner should be the number one for um, for USA this November he's an incredible shot stopper he's an incredible uh, saver of penalties and he said in a recent interview with Sky he said everyone talks about um, me playing with a ball at my feet as a weakness he said but I don't get the opportunity to do that for New England Revolution but I do for the US men's national team and I've been practicing very hard over the last three months this is <laughs> <laughs> three months, I know. But so Impressing this is,
3: kicking a ball. I, <laughs> I, really I,
2: I guess it's kind of, I guess it's kind of like a lot of people said that Ramsdale was a hoof merchant. um Because after Chris Wilder left Sheffield United, he was in a hoof merchant system. So there must've been something that Arsenal's um, backroom team spotted in him. I don't think they would bring someone in that had no capabilities there, but, <laughs> Uh, we all saw Aaron Ramsdale against Hungary. I mean, he, you know, he keeps a clean sheet against Italy. Then he concedes a whole bunch against Hungary. He's been a bit error-prone this year. Um, what do we think of the signing of of, of Matt Turner? Is it, is it interesting or is this uh, you know just us trying to get into the American market? Matt, what do you think?
1: I don't find it that interesting, to be honest. Um, the main reason, because we've got Bert Leno as our backup at the moment. And I think Bert Leno is a very, very good goalkeeper. I think Bert Leno probably could have done better than Ramsdale in the back back half of the season. I think we look to the long term and that's why Ramsdale wasn't dropped because I think, you know, the only clean sheet we kept in the last 10 games was Aston Villa away when Leno was playing. So, but, you know, the price is right. It's a backup player. Hopefully he's got the right profile. Um, but I don't see him playing many games this season.
2: Uh, Johnny, are you looking on your phone to see... Who Matt Turner is? What do you think about? What do you think about this as a backup option? A player um, crushing it in MLS. Uh, what do you think about him challenging Aaron Ramsdale for a first team spot next season?
3: Yeah, you know, it's not it's not very often where you have these pods where Matt and I sit on different ends of the fence on a lot of these. But I think I I I feel differently to you, Derek Matt, in the sense that I am excited by this signing purely because a lot of the Americans that would know way more than I do, do say that this guy is legit, like he's a good keeper. And what we need to do is we need to, because I completely get your point about Bert Leno, but everything says to me that Bert Leno's leaving the club this summer. Everything. If, if, If Leno's still at the club next year, then I don't really see the point in this guy. But the thing is, is having a keeper who, as Pete was saying, there's a good chance will be an international keeper at a World Cup this year, her starting one having them on the bench hungry and ready to prove themselves is good like because just like you know an emmy martinez who got a chance late on he had a few chances at arsenal but he seized it late on there are sometimes with keepers obviously sometimes they can mature later and you can have a goalkeeper at 28 and he absolute getting into the prime of their career and I personally don't think, we've all been pleased with Aaron Ramsdale and I think he had something with his distribution which we have probably maybe never had from a goalkeeper over a prolonged period so that's great but I do think there's a potential to improve on what he put out last year, there were some shaky games towards the end of last season and what I mean by that is I expect him or I want him to feel the pressure that... You know, if you don't play well, you will get dropped. There's someone out there who's chomping at the bit, trying to take your number, your place in the team. And so having a guy who's going to come in and be hungry to try to prove himself, as opposed to Leno, who seems to just have resigned himself somewhat to his place at Arsenal, if he doesn't get a move away, uh, will be good for us. So, yeah, great to keep filling the team with players who are not coming from nowhere, have some kind of pedigree, but more than anything, they have an appetite, an appetite to prove themselves and will be the beneficiaries of that.
1: You know, the best thing I think about next season is the World Cup for Ramsdale. Because, let's face it, it's a straight shootout between Ramsdale and Pickford next season. Ram- Pickford obviously in pole position, but, you know, we've got an easy... We've got the, our games that lead up to the World Cup are considerably easier than Everton's. Ish. And 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 I think that you know if he could get eight to ten clean sheets in the in, going into the World Cup, he is England's number one going into the World Cup. He will get there if he does that. Because Pickford's not doing that.
2: The sad thing is though, Matt. If if he is to get into the World Cup, he's got to have. Eight clean sheets where Arsenal aren't defending very well, and he can do what he did at the start of last season. <laughs> so it's the yin to the yang. I'd rather I'd rather him be keeping clean sheets because he didn't have anything to do. But you know, so it'd be interesting to see where that goes. Um, I'm I'm quite I'm quite excited uh, by him. You know, I think it's a curveball signing. I think that America produces a lot of top top talent uh, that tends to end you know end up in Germany before or, uh, you know move into other clubs. You've got Kessie. I think moved to Barcelona after going um, to, to Juventus, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of good players coming through. And I, I hope that, you know, 28 years old is a, is a bit more experienced. I hope that he can either sharpen Ramsdale, and I hope that Arteta has the guts to put him in if Ramsdale drops two or three clangers like he did last season. But um, Burton Leno, for me, was always a little bit meek. Um, so you know, g- good luck to him. You know, no ill will against him, but I think it's time to to get someone a little bit different in the side. So hopefully this one works out. Um, Matt, I'm gonna go to you to start on this next one because I, I thought you had a really interesting tweet. Eddie and um signed for Arsenal. Edu wanted to be all over this press release. He was it, it, like he looks so happy to have Eddie sign up to a to a new deal. There's obviously a connection between the two there. Um, but Ian Wright went on a bit of a tangent against some fans that were giving him some shit over the number fourteen. I just wanted to get like your your hot take on you know h- how do you feel about numbers? Are they sacred or um, is, you know do you have a different opinion on it?
1: I don't think numbers are sacred because I think great clubs are always looking to the future, not to the past, and that's what we've got to do at Arsenal. And I think we're seeing a new generation of Arsenal fans who, instead of moaning about not being as good as the teams with the invincibles and with Bergkamp and Henri have suddenly aged out and you see it, our away support. And I think we're now more focused on how we can build the next great Arsenal team. And so I don't think it's sacred. Um, what, what's the point of retiring a shirt number? I don't think anyone would want that. I don't think Thierry Henri would want that. Uh, he's got a statue outside the stadium and it's about using that number to inspire people in the future and for me, it's like, well, if, if, if supposing we'd sign Vlaovic and then given him the number 14, we all get excited. He gets given that number 14 based on absolutely fuck all he's ever done for Arsenal. Just on hope and promise and a big transfer fee. Eddie Nketiah has been there at Arsenal for seven years. He's a Halen boy. He's one of our own. He's been through the ups and downs. He was going to leave, always said he didn't want to leave. He got given the chance in a shitty situation and against all odds, he pulled it out of the bag and scored some really, really decisive goals and almost got us, got us over the line in the Champions League. And so to hear fans saying he's undeserving of the number 14 shirt, but what? Someone coming in on 70 million who's never supported Arsenal, never put in a minute's graft in the name of Arsenal and they're somehow more deserving of it? Absolutely not. And I think you look at him, I see a guy whose confidence is is... It's coming through. He's bulking up. Looks like a fucking racehorse to me, and he's ready to go, but I'm 100% behind him. Eddie Kruger is there. Good luck to him. And, you know, I expect 10 to 20 goals because, you know, he's going to step up. So that's my point of view.
2: Johnny, you came up with the term Eddie Kruger. Um, You pivoted on what you thought of Eddie. Eddie and Nketiah has shown you the biggest sign of respect that he could he made the Eddie Krueger's uh, shape. It was it was gesticulating towards you. Johnny, when he signed this new deal, how much responsibility did you think you had in making that decision go through?
3: Yeah, first of all, I'm always, you know, I'm not the Steel Peaks funder Shout out to Bonesy. He was the original guy who said Eddie Krueger, but we've, we've run with it since then. Now, um, I think that, it's, look, it's, 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 it's up in the air as to whether or not Eddie Kruger is actually doing the Kruger claw. We don't know. We think he is. Um, I'm going to believe he is. And I'm going to say that ultimately, since creating, because I certainly was the pioneer of the living in nightmares, no question about that. Um, since creating this Eddie Kruger character, you know, plot your graph. Eddie Ketty has career suddenly taken over Arsenal. Have I inspired this man to potentially have a great career at Arsenal I don't want to be the guy to say it but I think everyone can read between the lines I'm you know ironically I'm living in Eddie Kruger's head rent free and I've inspired him to go on to bigger and better things take the full team you know and terrorise people really interesting points that you guys were saying though on this one I, I disagree with Matt on one thing but I agree on the other And that is, I do, I am someone who believes that certain numbers are sacred. There's complete logic in what you say, don't get me wrong. You are being logical at the end of the day when a player moves on, that they've moved on. They're no longer the number. You know, there's the next generation has to fill it. But I do think that certain numbers at your club, they hold an extra certain weight. Why do we talk about... You know, Emile Smith-Rowe taking the 10 all that time and and what that meant, what it meant to wear the 10 at Arsenal. I think it does mean something. But the 14 is the most significant number. Like, as in, if you think about all the clubs, the, the prominent clubs anyway, in Europe, the 14 is most symbolic for Arsenal because of Thierry. He was our best player ever. Oh, I know I'm doing my top 25 uh, <laughs> coming up. Oh, don't! we we'll, we'll, we'll a little Still, who knows? He's one of my <laughs> best players ever. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so tune into that love fest in a few weeks. Anyway, um, the fact is, is that number is so synonymous with Arsenal because our greatest player, Waterfall, 14, there's a lot of clubs that have. The best players wearing a ten. Now like it gets, you know, the ten is significant for a few players, and obviously the seven, most prominently at United, but a few clubs have the seven. The fourteen is ours, so it it should mean something. I think it does. But for all these guys who were going nuts about and taking a fourteen and seeing it as a sign of how far we've fallen from Henri to and Ketia, first of all, I've not always been. Freddy Krug, uh, Eddie Krueger's biggest fan. Like, And I've, I've I've, openly said I don't think he's playing in the right league. <laughs> um, you know, and he could be playing a couple of runs down. But he shut me up towards the end of the season. And I thought he was a breath of fresh air. At the end of the day, everything Matt said is bang on the nose. He's one of our own. And whether you like him or you believe in him or, or not, he has stayed true to Arsenal and he's trying his best. And he's obviously shown this is not some you know, kid that we're giving a, a charity position to in our team, he's done it on the pitch, way more than what Lacazette was doing towards the end of the season. So if the full team inspires Eddie, and I love it also because he wants the full team because he's an Arsenal fan and he knows how important it is. And just like ESR stepped up and said, I want I want Burkamp's shirt. Like, you know, when Jack Wilshire done it before him, he says, I want Henri's shirt because I think I can make myself a legend at Arsenal. They all want the 14. Aubameyang wanted the 14, and he was a bad man before he came to Arsenal. So if this is going to inspire Eddie to go Super Saiyan and have a bonkers season, then all the better for it. But overall, if you're an Arsenal fan, laying into Eddie, who's at the end of the day just trying his best and you know hoping to be the striker that we need him to be, whether or not he will or not, that remains to be seen. But why not get behind a guy who is still an Arsenal player and trying to prove himself? Rather than just jump on an already beleaguered player who is remarkably confident considering some of the criticism he's had, including from myself, you know, he's still positive about being a top player. So let's get behind him. And if he can't do it and get to that level, you know, we'll deal with that further down the line. But at the end of the day, it won't be for a lack of support from the fan base.
2: Yeah, I, I, I love all of those comments. I'm so happy that uh, Eddie signed a deal. It's not often that I get to take a W, but I feel like uh, I called it early with with Eddie. He came in, he delivered. He absolutely deserves the contract. And if he feels that he can, you know, not fill the boots of Thierry Henry, but if he can do the shirt justice in the same way that really, you know, Theo Walcott, you know, got 100 goals for Arsenal wearing that shirt, then he should take that shirt, and we should create new traditions off that number. And listen, the guy is all product. He's all product. And I think that we're about to see him blow up next season. And the thing that I love about signing Eddie down to this deal is you look at the striker market. It is absolutely off the, off the rails. Scamacca going for 50 million euros, uh, playing for Susulo. Um Richarlison played most of the games for Everton last season, nearly took them down. And there's talk of him going to Spurs for 55 million. He's got a bad attitude. He's problematic behind the scenes. So to replace Eddie this summer would have cost a lot of money. And I, I guarantee you, if Eddie went to any other club in the Premier League, he would be haunting us worse than Emmy Martinez. So I think we've got a good, a good number two. I think he's going to get a lot of games in the Europa League. I think Arteta has obviously promised him he's going to get some minutes in the Premier League. But give the guy minutes and he will score goals. So I'm really hoping he kicks on. And um, I just think the best thing about Eddie last season uh, is he could have mailed it in when he got the call because he was the best player in pre-season. He got ignored when Aubameyang was stinking the joint out. He got ignored when Lacazette wasn't scoring goals. And then he got the call and he could have been dreaming about those, those Euros that he was going to get in, in the Bundesliga, but he didn't. He knuckled down, got a big contract at the end, um, got a big number and let's let's hope that he can kick on. But I love having another Haylander in the mix. Can so- I just
3: say, say one thing on this, Pete, as well? Because it's something that we've not really addressed, right? We look at the Eddie and... Jesus lineup. I know that's not done, but we all expect to sign Jesus now, and I do think it'd be a good signing. And we're like, you know, it might hamstring us because they're too similar in terms of players, but what we've not really countenanced is the potential that they might end up playing together. And if you're looking at it from Eddie's point of view, he might be there like, if we were being put on the field together, even if it's the last 20s of games, can we build up some kind of, you know, camaraderie and on-the-field chemistry that could make them quite deadly together. They seem like players that could play with each other. Eddie bulking up doesn't hurt. Jesus, even though he's not the biggest guy in the world, has played up against every defender in this league. And could they work together if we want to play a different way and we want to attack with two strikers? That would be one of the interesting things to see. I
1: I love that. And I think I once compared Eddie to Andy Cole. Could we have a bit of a York and Cole double act coming on?
2: Oh, oh, wetting. Remember,
1: remember those? Remember those?
2: I like that. I like that. <laughs> all right, we're going to move into the final section of the show. Um, I I, I was doing some uh, detailed number crunching about where Arsenal were with uh, the squad. So, uh, this little spreadsheet here is all of the players that we have in our squad. I think there's a that's a list of thirty, which I, I've I've put thirty in there because our Europa League squad will be different to the Premier League squad. The average age of our squad with all of those names on it, taking out the players that I expect to leave, is 22.46 years old. When you reduce the squad down to 24 next season, I think we were 23.9 last season. When you take out Obama Ying and Lacazette and Burnt Leno and add in the players that were expected to sign, the average age of our squad is 23.6. So we're going into a, a big season with a really young squad, uh, Manchester City's squad. They won the Premier League. The average age is 27. Liverpool's starting 11 was about 29 towards the end of the season. But like, there is a lot of growth in this squad. But what I wanted to ask, and Matt, I'll, I'll go to you on this one. Do you, do you think we are running into danger of having a lack of experience again? Do you think that there are there's a chance that the team might get nervous? They might choke, or do you think the players that we've added have got sufficient minutes under their belts elsewhere, sufficient titles elsewhere, to be able to move us up a level?
1: Good question. Um, the reality is, I don't think you know until you're in that position and you see what happens. And I think, and, and then I also think that it could be that we are in a we're in a you know, if you look at our April fixtures this year, they, you thought last year's were bad. You know, they are scary as hell this year. And we could easily be in a position where we choke in April again. But you know what? It might just be another year where, you know, you thought we could challenge for the title and we end up getting fourth, you know, or, or whatever, just the way the fixtures go. So honestly, don't know. But I think what you, what you can see is that, we're building for the future, uh, that there's a strategy um, that I think there's gonna, that people will have learnt from last season. I think where Arteta has realised that there are players who choked, I don't think they'll be around if he's spotted some mental weakness. You know, I was thinking the other day, I think there's a, there's a few players who are going to surprise us. You know who I think is going to be one of the big surprises next season? Sambi Lekonga. You heard it here first. I agree. He's had a year under his belt. He's a top-quality player. He's young. He's ambitious. He doesn't want to have another season like last season. And, but I think all the noises are. He took, the, he took all the learnings. He's pleased with how it went, I think. Um, and I think he is going to play, get a lot of minutes. I think he's going to grow. I think there's going to be other players who are going to surprise us. And I think the benefit of having more players and a bigger squad is it puts less pressure on players as well. You know, it's it's not all on their shoulders like it was at times last season. So, extremely positive uh, around how the the squad is shaping up, and I think not all the players we think right now are going to be the future of Arsenal are going to be there in two years. I think there are some of our, you know, I we've got Martinelli, we've got Smith Rowe, we've got Saka, we've got the. I don't think they're all going to make it. That's just just football tells us that. One of Martinelli or Smith Rowe, or th- they're not going to get to the level we need them to get to because it's very, very, very rare that everyone comes through to the level that you hope. So it's going to chop and change, but we're placing bets and um, and we're in a we're in a strong place.
2: Johnny, um, Matt's latest stake in the ground. He's going to be uh, the, the the Sambi lovers group or something more creative than that. I'm sure we'll work on a on a group name. When you look at this young squad... You were any... in
3: marketing, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then, I'll come up with something later. <laughs> uh, is, there,
2: um, is, is there a concern that we're not adding experience that maybe we lacked in critical moments last season? Or do you think the experience isn't an age, experience is a minutes thing, and the players that we're bringing in have got a lot of minutes under their belt? What do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's,
2: you know, I, I, I could understand why some people might be concerned by that.
3: But you, you know, I think you you try to hedge your bets as best you can. Like, it wouldn't be worth us having a squad completely packed full of players that don't break 22. Because you know that at some point during the season, the lack of experience uh, will come into play. But I think you have players in the squad who are older than that, who've seen, you know, different things. And I also think when you're signing players like Gabriel Jesus, though he's not, like, really old... At 25, he's seen everything. There is not going to be a game that we could put him in where Gabriel Jesus is going to be like, this is too rich for my blood. I'm not saying he's going to have stormers every time, but he's played at every level. There's nothing we could surprise him with. So how much experience do we we want? What we're asking is for a team that is going to be built around high press and intensity from the front. We need young legs to be able to perform that plan. And so... There's no point in going, oh, yeah, we need old players, old players, if they can't actually get what we... have You know, a few years ago when Arteta was coming after Emery and people were talking about how, yeah, but Arteta doesn't actually have the right players to be able to perform and execute the plan that he wants to put out there. Well, that's gone, way gone now. You know, Arteta is shaping a squad in the image of the way we want him to play. Whether you like Arteta or not, you know, I understand why some people still have reservations. I do get it um but ultimately he is fully checked in now to his philosophy and the players that he's bringing in look like they are going to be able to be better proponents of his style of play which I'm all down for I want to see this style of football that he wants to implement get to the best level it can and will that be good enough to get us back winning leagues who knows but it'll be exciting to find out but what I don't want is another season of a plan that's nearly there but oh we haven't got the right players to be able to perform. well guess what you've had enough time Pull it on the field now with the players that are capable of getting your ideas across and and able to perform at that level and I think that um we've we're cutting the right balance between youth to be able to have the legs to perform that and players who are tried and tested and so won't hopefully shrink on the in in the pressure moments
2: yeah, I think next season is the the, the objective is clear. It, it's top four. It's working out how to dance between European football and Premier League football. I think one of Matt's points that we whispered uh, a few months ago is maybe Europa League would be better for us because you know we, we play we play Manchester City uh, after I think we play Manchester City after they played Liverpool and it's like we've got the opportunity to rest in the Europa League so we're fresher for those games. So uh, maybe trying out a few things um, in, in a softer European competition is going to work out well for us. But I think, I think we've got a lot of experience coming into the squad. And I like that every player that we're signing has bravery that sits at core, bravery and character. And we don't really go, you know, if we get all of these players on the list, there, there isn't really a massive weakness in the squad. I think the only weakness potentially is that there isn't a true player that can sit in the position of Thomas Partey. I don't think we've, I don't think, you know, it's, it's Moel Nene uh, at the moment, which is a little bit worrying, but outside that, there's no weaknesses in this squad. There are no excuses. So um, I think if we can get 69 points without a recognized striker, without having Kieran Tierney, Tommy Asu um, uh, and Thomas Partey playing for a large chunk of the season, I'm really hopeful that we get top four next season, maybe even push for top three. Um, And then the year after it's all about that title push. All about that title push. So um, I, I'm excited. I like having a young squad because the sort of players that we're putting into this young squad, it's only up. It's only up. Um, so uh, I, th- I think it's good times for Arsenal. Let's just get the deals done and let's hope that nothing falls through the cracks. But that there's somebody sitting in the chat saying Arsenal are in advanced talks with Lissandro Martinez <sighs> now. So th- things are moving apace. Gabriel Jesus looking good. Maybe this time next week, we're talking about three or four players that are going to be there for the 28th of June. We've we've got to get realistic, guys. The era that we're living in. Since the
3: AOP has got to this level, we've had one member influence the Premier League fixture list, so we've had an easy (laughs) start to the season. We've had another member invent a character, an alter ego for a striker who's turned himself around. And we've had another member go, you know, absolute fully in the Samby Laconga boat today, And Samby's going to have an absolute stonker. He's going to be player of the season next year, and we're going to have to start talking about league titles again. But that's that's our influence, you know. And, and we have to we have to appreciate what, how much we've done. We
2: do we do we are big big pats on the back for us. Um, I think that that's a nice way to phase into the exit of the show. If you are watching this, and there is a lot of you, this is like one of the biggest shows that we have ever had, which is surprising because we're out of season and it's not after a game. Please subscribe because then you'll get a little notification telling you when we go live because we have uh, disorganized lives, So we never know we're going to come on, but we will be back next Sunday. If you love the content and you want to hear Johnny Cochran doing his run through of his top players, or you want to hear me and Matt Candela gassing about transfer windows from 30 years ago, um, you can go to patreon.com. You can search the Arsenal opinion. You can pick your pricing. We know that inflation is kicking people at the moment. We're not going to ask you for, for 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. We're going to let you pick whatever you want and you get some exclusive content, and that'll be carrying on into next season. Um, but rest assured, there will always be a free version, um, and you will always get Matt Candela, who um, you can find at, at Matt Keller. Matt, uh, say something to end the show.
1: Yeah, no. Uh, this has been a great show. Really excited about where we're headed. Uh, follow me at, at Matt Candela. Uh, we are just. Tweeting optimism for the next four weeks until the season starts, and then with our nice easy run, we're going to be top of the league in October. Follow along for all the latest.
2: And then we've got iJohnnyCochran, who's on the he's, he's he's starring in shows on the BBC?
3: Yeah, guilty as charged. Uh, yeah, you can <laughs> check that out in and invite a, in avoidance. Um, Ramesh Ranganathan's new sitcom, that's Oof. what I was filming a few months back, uh, which was great. Izaguna as well, top bloke. Really like Romesh, known him a while. But it was nice to work with him on that. It's only a small part. I'm in episode three, selling houses. I mean, could you imagine me as a dishonourable salesman? I don't think you could. <laughs> um, but apart from that, I randomly came up with this week uh, a, a rap about Arsenal's Captain Conundrum, I called it. I don't know what inspired me, but do you know what? Based on the feedback, People actually quite liked it. And I might even do another one, like, further down the line. If you haven't seen it, head to at I've been tweeting about it uh, a few times this week, so you won't have to scroll back far to see it. And it's my, yeah, me rapping. And if you do like it, shout it some love. Send some, you know, little retweets out there. Give it a like. And, yeah, if you can follow me as well, that would be great.
2: Magic. So, on that note, we'll thank all the Spurs fans that uh, that have been hassling me on the internet and uh, adding, adding me as a, a friend on all of these different platforms. I want to thank everybody that's watching the live show. We really appreciate all of the feedback. Um, it's just, there's so much positivity on YouTube, which I don't think is the case for everybody else. So thank you. And if you're listening on, uh, on, on your iPhone through Apple Podcasts, get in there and give us a five-star rate. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can also give us a five-star rate in there. Um, and on that note, we'll, uh, we'll end the show with a big shout for now.
0: Powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Headlines seize our attention, especially when they're about a crime. But there's more to these stories than just their headlines. I'm Carrie Ippema. And I'm Quinlan Posner. Every week, we'll bring you a real crime that made the headlines one you may have heard of before, or one you may have never imagined possible. But we'll take you beyond what you see on the front page. We'll follow the story as it happens in real time and use hindsight to pull apart fact from fiction. From Lifetime comes a brand new weekly podcast, Crime of a Lifetime.
1: Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their
2: podcasts
0: everywhere. Acast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.
2: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?